and welcome to the Geek Rant, episode 316, Movies and Stuff, recorded February 25th, 2018, and brought to you by Element Ophi Productions, elementofi.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. My name is Mark, sometimes known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week, all by his lonesome, is Seth the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hey, Seth. Hey, Mark, and welcome back. Welcome us back to all of our fine opiate faithful. Yeah, so Miles is not with us tonight because the Apple gods decided today was the day they were doing an update, whether he wanted it or not. So he sat down at the at his podcasting rig, um, turned on his Mac. I mean, it's his fault for using a Mac, right? Um, and it began the update process, which says uh, this could take 45 to 60 minutes. Um, we're not waiting for him. And I, I would love to say that's just an Apple thing, but as soon as I sat down and turned on my uh, Windows machine, Skype said, oh, you're getting an update, buddy, whether you want it or not. So welcome to life in, in the world of software. Uh, remember the days when you got to choose whether or not you wanted an update? <laughs> yeah, you know, and this reminds me that I have not been Apple bashing near enough lately, so I've got to figure out how to work that into this new show format, Mark. <laughs> You've really, uh, you've caused me to abandon one of my passions in life. Well, speaking of show format, we're sort of abandoning this one tonight. So last week was, excuse me, was supposed to be our news week. Uh, but last week I was, uh, in bed. Well, not in bed, but I was offline with the flu. I was actually feeling quite a lot better. Um, my, my wife had the flu. I think I mentioned it the last time we were together. Um, she, uh, she was very ill. We ended up making a couple of trips to the ER, um, uh, we went to urgent care and her heart was racing a little bit and the urgent care doc was like, well, maybe we need to go take you to the, to the emergency room just to be safe. Well, I got that just to be safe bill today. It was $18,000 worth of just to be safe in the ER. So super excited about that. Um, wait, 18,000 or 1800, No, 18,000. I didn't misspeak. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what's the price without insurance? Fifteen dollars? Yeah, I don't know. So that that's the, the 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 amount they sent to insurance. I don't know how much the insurance is gonna pay. I don't know how much my part of that's gonna be. Uh but the raw cost, because uh, they because of the heart issues, they uh, because the heart was racing and the and was the blood pressure was elevated, they did a CAT scan and they did a couple of X rays and they, they pushed some medications. Uh it it all turned out to be a false alarm. But honestly I would rather have an $18,000 false alarm than a dead wife. So, you know, I, I, it was it was something I was willing to do. But, yeah, in the end, the, 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 the charge that they sent to the insurance company, and I have yet to find out what the insurance company is going to say about it, was uh, just over $18,000. And so did y'all have to go back to the hospital when you opened the bill? <laughs> I mean, my gosh. That, that seems to me like they're creating this cycle of hospital dependence with $18,000. Dear Lord, that's yeah. ridiculous. So uh, yeah, when we talk about healthcare in the U.S. and how uh, the the system is broken, that's a fine example of how the system is broken. Uh, this these all turned out to be not uh, unnecessary tests. We didn't know they were unnecessary until we run them, right? So, but at at some point, somebody's got to step up and say three hours in the ER. It was actually closer to six hours in the ER. Shouldn't cost eighteen thousand. It's three thousand dollars an hour. Uh, that's that's insane. I'm, I might be starting medical school tomorrow. I mean, that's <laughs> that's ridiculous. 
Uh, so anyway, um, I did such a great job of uh, nursing her through her flu that I then got the flu. Uh, but the difference between her flu and my flu, I had the flu shot. She did not. Now you say, Mark, you got the flu shot and you still got the flu. Thus, that is proof that flu shots are a hoax. Well, I felt kind of bad for about four days. She had to go to the ER and was miserable for uh, just over three weeks. So um, the, the, the flu shot bought me like 12 days. I'll take it. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I have not gotten the flu shot the last couple of years because, eh, I just didn't care. Yeah. So, Well, my wife is the only one in the family that didn't get it. And so far, the kids have, they, they're fine. Knock on synthetic plastic materials because that's all I can afford to buy these days. Um, they're, they're all fine. Uh, but, again... Uh, that to me, it's anecdotal. Just like the the people who say the only time I get the flu is when I get the flu shot. Not only is that total BS, it's anecdotal evidence. So I I have my anecdotal evidence is no better than anybody else's. But in my case, the flu shot has definitely seemed to be pay off in this family. Uh, so get the flu shot. Uh, but anyway, cool. I missed last week. I was actually feeling better, uh, but my wife, <laughs> her exact words were, "You sound unpleasant." Okay. All right, I will take that under advisement. And rather than sitting here and talking like this for about an hour, I decided I would just go ahead and, and take the week to recuperate. So our uh, everything has just sort of been blown out of the water. Our schedule was blown out of the water. Uh, we're down one host. So we're just going to gab tonight for uh, a, a little less than an hour about a number of different things. Um, so if if you are the type of person who likes the shows where Mark and Seth just talk, this is for you. If not, we'll see you next week, everybody. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, so b- before we go too much further, I mean, we have to talk about the the major geek culture event that is going on right now, and that is the Black Panther. I just saw it uh, Wednesday of this week. Seth, you saw it recently too. Um, yes. The pre-reviews going in are were best Marvel movie ever, perhaps maybe best movie ever in the history of cinema. Uh, the groundbreaking, nothing like it ever before. You really need to see this movie before you die or your life won't be worth living. Those were the kind of reviews that I was seeing going in. Um, I'll review. I'll hold my review, but I think maybe you could tell a little bit about what I think of it just by that intro. So, Seth, what were your thoughts on the Black Panther? You know, I really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, you know, there has been a noticeable uptick in social justice warrior creeping into films and making its, you can't say he is anymore, but making its presence known everywhere that people interact. And I didn't, you know, okay. I mean, so Black Panther is a black superhero and, but it was like, I was so psyched about the movie and it wasn't like, Hey, we have to be perfect because we're black people. And, you know, so therefore it wasn't like that. It was just a great movie. And so, I mean, obviously you look, you see, Hey, their skin color is different than mine, but it did not detract any way. This to me there really wasn't a lot of social justice warrior overtones in the film. It was just a film done awesome. There's a couple of things where it's like you did not do a good enough job establishing part one. You know, subset A, you needed, you didn't, you just kind of hoped we would get that. And this little thing over here, but overall, it it, it doesn't topple Avengers 
for me. And I don't think it topples civil civil war, but it's gotta it's gotta be up tops. I mean, it was I liked it a lot better than Doctor Strange. Um, very very good. This is one of the top tier Marvel movies. So, like I say, it it just it didn't have the on the ensemble cast that I was familiar with. You know, all of the superheroes to. to uh, to overpace Avengers or, or you know, Avengers, the real Avengers 2 Civil War. But other than that, it was like, as far as the solo movies, it's probably the best one I've seen. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I put it in the top five of the Marvel Cinema Universe. And actually, I hadn't thought about solo versus ensemble movies. Uh, it's probably the second best solo movie. Iron Man, the first Iron Man still in my opinion, is the best of the solo movies. Um, so I, w- I would give it maybe top four or five uh, um, among the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It had some pretty ser- significant plot holes, uh, but what it did have that no other one, it, it, again, maybe the, the first Iron Man came closest, was a, a sympathetic villain, a villain who, when you looked at him, you thought, okay, I get why he's doing that. I can see why he's mad at the world. I get that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And that just hasn't happened in any of the others. I mean, again, Obadiah Stane, the uh, tired of being second banana in Iron Man 1. But again, his response was way over the top. It was like, okay, I have a reason for him to maybe, you know, try to be corrupt, try maybe try to take over the company. But to be, you know, uh, a mass murderer, uh, that that didn't hold. But the uh, the character uh, in this one, played by Michael B. Jordan, and a, a really outstanding actor in his own right, and I'm I'm yep. really talking in vague generalities here because I don't want to be accused of spoilers. Um, his motivations are believable, um, and his reaction to it, while they are over the top, it, I mean, it's a cartoon movie. <laughs> of course, it's over the top. It's cartoons uh, or comic books, rather. Um, so it, uh, yeah, I I enjoyed the movie. Um, I give it a an eight out of ten. Uh, there were some some visuals that were just. I really felt, oh, we've gone all the way back to the Matrix again uh, with some of the visuals. They were just really bad, um, and I've come to expect so much more uh, in the um, <clears throat> uh, Civil War. No, uh, uh, Winter Soldier. When we were first introduced to the Black Panther, um, what, what I, you, he was so well done. He was fully CGI throughout that movie, and and I wouldn't have known it had I not read an article about it uh, later. This one, it was they, they played the the blend of CGI and real. The real effects were kind of cheesy. The real suit, uh, I didn't like that much, and the and the CGI was overly CGI. But again, I'm nitpicking. I'm talking about you know supermodel with ugly toes. It was a good movie. Um, if you enjoyed any of the Marvel movies at all, you'll enjoy this movie. And yes, most of the cast happens to be black. Um, and I like the fact that they didn't really overplay that fact. It just happened to be a movie that takes place in Africa. And yes, most of the people in Africa happen to be black. So that was, that was just the setting of it. And it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't a thing that we hung our hat on. And I appreciated that. So Black Panther, go see it. Yeah, really go see it. I mean, I would think you really don't have to be, you know, you don't have to see every Marvel superhero movie to get to the point of this one. You could, this could be the only Marvel movie you've seen and, you know, you, 
anything you didn't know going in, they reveal. It's not like, oh, you need to know this 40 hours worth of cinema backstory before you step in here or you're going to be lost for the entire movie. No, it's like you could just go see Black Panther. What's that? You know, and then, ah, you know. And it'd be really good. And I like the way you put it. You know, it's it's it was, a, you know, because in, in times past, people have, you know, whether it be television studios or movies or comic books or whatever, have tried to force some type of minority upon its, you know, viewing audience or listening audience or whatever in comic books, you know, in, in times past, it was like, Hey, let's make a superhero that has to be black and let's try to make him compelling. Or, you know, let's make one of our characters all of a sudden gay because that's the buzzword in Hollywood. And, you know, and so this was just, this was just a movie set in a place where everybody there and not everybody, most of the people are going to be black and it works great. I didn't feel any type of, you know, black people better, you know, we're getting our turn. It was just like, it was just a great movie. And I haven't, I've seen some on the internet, but not much, you know, trying to play the race card in relation to the movie. And it just, the movie kind of just rejects that and exists has just a great movie. And, and, but like I say, there are some, there are some plot holes, but you know, any comic book movie is going to have some plot holes because you can't read a comic book without finding the plot holes in it. So. Right. Um, my favorite um, racial r- related post that I saw was that uh, um, Andy Serkis played Gollum and um, the other guy, I can't think of his name right now, uh, played the Hobbit, uh, uh, played Bilbo Baggins. They were the two Tolkien white guys in the movie. <laughs> I liked it. That's cool. Um, and another thing I wanted to talk about, Seth, you probably haven't seen it yet, uh, is a Netflix uh, Altered Carbon. Um, I finished the se- uh, series. I don't remember if I talked about it at all uh, previously. Uh, other than the fact that it's bordering on soft porn, um, and, and that's a pretty big disclaimer, um, it's a really good story. Uh, and I was really pleased with it. It is cinematically beautiful. Uh, and I use that word cinematically it is like a movie it is like a 10-hour movie uh very blade runner-ish um um visuals um the some of the the it's over the top violence and over the top sex and some of it is necessary because it talks about a future in which the the human uh, humans have evolved beyond their own body Uh, they can move between bodies in fact they don't even call them bodies they call them sleeves the sleeve you is just the the thing that you are wearing. You change your your sleeve just like you might change your sh- shoes, um, and so you have to disregard the sanctity of the human body when that in, when you're in that environment, or rather, you have to represent that they have disregarded the sanctity of the human body. So, killing a sleeve doesn't mean anything. Blood doesn't mean anything. Nudity doesn't mean anything. Sex doesn't mean anything. So, part of it is necessary for the storytelling. Not all of it. I think they went over the top on both the blood and the sacks. Uh, but the story is a good story. It's a film noir. It's a classic detective noir that takes place 400 years in the future um, to, to the point where the guy wears a trench coat and smokes all the time. And it, it is all the, the classic tropes of a, a detective film. And it, I mean, morose narration over the scenery. It is all those things. All those things that you come to expect from a 1950s Humphrey Bogart uh, detective noir but set in a, a futuristic uh, environment. And that, for me, is what I loved about it. It was just taking two genres, both of which are pretty cheesy, and slamming them together in a way that somehow transcends them both. 
Uh, so I, I recommend it again, very adult. Um, and uh, the sex is so over the top sex. I mean, like, I'm not sure you could have it on Cinemax. It is that over the top. Uh, wow. but, um, overall the, the taken all 10 episodes as a whole, I really enjoyed it. And you can't comment cause you haven't seen it. So, uh, well, I mean, I did see the previews and it, did look super interesting so it's on my i want to see it list because it and i love how you know we'll we'll change the background from you know 40s 50s to the future but we'll make the movie seem so familiar is the right word and so you you're kind of drawn in because it's something you're used to and then a lot of times they'll kind of set the movie in the past but you know switch up the tropes or whatever so even though it's different it still seems familiar because oh i'm used to movies set in the 1980s you know so it's that that cognitive dissidence is something i'm sure they actively set out to engage has part of the part of what makes it so unique and enjoyable yeah and one of the main characters you know the guy who's smoking all the time somebody even comments on the fact you know those things are bad for your health right he was like i hate smoking but this sleeve is a nicotine addict and it's like you know the 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 the, i have to do what the sleeve wants even though i don't like it um and the idea is that, that we all have stacks in the future it's a it's a technology that stores our memories the the essence of the human is stored in the stack and the stack can be moved from body to body uh or if you're incredibly rich you could back up your stack uh onto a a different system and actually what they do what they call needle cast move your essence from one thing to another from one sleeve to another without having to move the stack um and there's a scene i mean minor spoiler alert but there's a scene where this uh this character fights the clones of another character and so it's really it's it's audacious in its doing there's uh eight naked women fighting because they're all clones that are coming out of their, you know, cocoons or whatever, and, and they're naked, but they're they're all the same person, and and this person is just jumping from one naked clone to another, and it's audacious in its filmmaking, uh, but again, also just way over the top, but in such a way that it's like we meant to do that. You 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 couldn't you couldn't say that was an accident. You know, you intentionally went over the top on the nakedness there when you have when you have eight naked clones fighting each other doing karate moves right. at the same time. Right. Yeah. I I so yeah, I wonder I but like I say, just even even if you've never seen it, you should go watch the YouTube trailer on it because just the trailer itself was fascinating yeah. and then based on mark's description then see if you want to see it but anyway it, yeah. it could be really cool don't have the kids anywhere near though just don't uh and then something you can take your kids to and in fact my kids dragged me to uh i i really hate musicals i hate music hey, let me let me make sure i'm expressing myself fully here i hate musicals but because I am surrounded by women, most everything I watch is a musical. Now, they tend to be animated musicals. But the thing I hate most about musicals is that all of a sudden, everybody knows the words to the song and the, the steps to the dance. It, it doesn't bother me. Like, opera doesn't bother me because the whole thing is sung. That's the conceit. You just set the rules from the beginning. Everything is sung and dance. But musicals move in and out 
of real world and then real world where everybody knows the words and the dances and then back in and nobody notices like what the heck just happened here why did all 19 people on this street suddenly start doing the same dance that bothers me that bother it is like an intellectual slap in the face for me when that happens now with that intro we saw the greatest showman with huge jacked man uh wolverine uh playing pt barnum and i loved it I loved the movie. I loved the music. I loved the 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 drama. I loved the campiness of it. It was a lot of fun. Even though I hate musicals, my my kids dragged me to this musical, and I loved it. So, The Greatest Showman, the musical for people who hate musicals. Hmm. I've I have not seen it, and it just it doesn't it it just doesn't capture my interest from what I have seen uh, the trailers and stuff. So. I'm not surrounded by women who would drag me to that sort of thing anyway. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is probably one. I mean, if I happen to run across it on cable someday, you know, or satellite like I have, you know, or whenever it makes its way over to uh, the streaming services, maybe. But it's just it's it just doesn't look like something I would enjoy. Yeah, it's a it's a it's the the heavily Hollywoodized version of P.T. Barnum. Uh, and the beginning of the Barnum Circus. Um, hmm. Much of the history is, you know, uh, fictitious or heavily dallied with, but it's a compelling story. The music is really good. It's it's very modern music, even though the setting is, uh, you know, early turn of the century um, uh, setting. So that to me creates an interesting juxtaposition between the setting and the music, uh, in much the way the. Uh, the Heath Ledger um, uh, night movie. I can't remember the name of it. A Knight's uh, Tale. A Knight's Tale. In much the same way that it did. It took you know medieval times and played We Will Rock You in, in such a way as to actually make it kind of believable. Another musical that I enjoy, and I'll watch it every time it's on. Um, it's a guilty pleasure. And I hate musicals. Yeah, that, that was a great movie. <laughs> yeah. So this is the uh, a similar treatment. If you liked one, you probably like this one. Oh, maybe. Um, and then I don't know what this is, Seth. Origin mystery? Tell me. I, I'm assuming it's a book. Okay, it's actually a three book series. Um, the guy's name is A.G. Riddle. Uh, the first one is called the Atlantis Gene. So this is kind of like uh, the origin of you know how humans became humans, and it's this three book series. Um, I saw it. It's a Kindle Unlimited science fiction movie, and I was looking for something. It's like, okay, I finished the the zombie, you know, uh, Arisen series, and I read a couple other zombie books, and I was like, okay, I'm ready for something besides zombies. And this one piqued my interest. So um, the first one is called The Atlantis Gene, and so it's, you know, the story of Atlantis is based on truth in this, and humanity's evolution is not so much evolution but uh reprogramming by an alien species and it comes out you know i was disappointed by the third book but the first two were pretty good um because by the third book well anyway i i you know spoilers there's three books so um pretty it was it was very interesting i I liked the take on on history and you know um kind of an illuminati type thing but they're not called the illuminati um existing through history trying to you know better the human race um 
I, it's, it's so hard to talk about this stuff and say, and stay in the non-spoiler mode because they haven't been out for a long time. But one of the things I found out after reading it is at least the first book is they're making it into a movie. And this is like CBS Pictures and not like The Asylum found it one day. So, But all in all, it was I think it was an interesting book. Um it starts out, goes and moves into action pretty fast. The action keeps up well. Um, it's there's it's some some of it takes place in World War One, and they tie it all together. And within the world building they create, it's very believable. Uh, just an interesting origin of the species and how we got here, kind of thing. So, all right. And then the next one, uh, I get a, I get emails from Netflix from time to time. Hey, we've added something you might like. And because my whole family shares, uh, my account, it's often something like the new, my little ponies movie or some new Disney star movie. Well, the one I got, I think it was just today, um, was uh, full metal alchemist brotherhood. And just reading the description and looking at the cover art, I was like, Nope, not for me, Netflix. You got this one wrong, but apparently it is for Seth. Yes, this is um, this is anime. So if you're not an anime fan, you might not like it. And so, okay, there's the there's the manga Full Metal Alchemist, and then there was the anime series Full Metal Alchemist, which was based on the manga, but was different enough that you weren't just seeing uh, the manga kind of played out. Well, they redid, and so this is another series, anime series, but it sticks closer to the manga, and. Um, Anyway, so Full Metal Alchemist, um, alchemy is a is it's transmutation. You know, you can't you can't create something, but you can transform. You know, like dirt into a sculpture or something like that. And the law of equivalent exchange. You know, you can't take a penny and make a make a thousand tons of gold, but you could take you know like a ton of sand and make a ton of gold or something if you could get the the and in the series alchemy is science you know they're researching how to do like biomolecular stuff and all of that and of course there's um there's the background evil that they have to uncover and all of that and so anyway i just started binge watching it yesterday um and i only i got through like 20 something episodes uh, i didn't do much yesterday but watch um watch uh full metal alchemist because you know here in east texas we have just finished up the rainy season where i think it was like for a week straight we had rain for most of the day and it might not have been this hard pouring rain but one of the roads out of my house did flood and i had to go the other way but so you know it was like the ground is so soft i don't want to go walking in it and cake mud everywhere so you know, hey, let me uh, watch TV and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, it didn't. Not, it not only came to Netflix; it also came to Amazon Prime, and that's where I'm watching it. But if you enjoyed, and to me, this is one of the great anime series. And it's like I think it's like sixty something episodes long, so it's not like an ongoing thing that's forever and ever. It's kind of done with, but. It's just really well done. The story is good. The characters are very compelling. And like most Japanese animation, they deal with some, you know, you know, okay, in America, cartoons are for kids. But in Japan, anime is just another form. Like you have drama, you have comedy, you have reality shows, and you have anime. And so even though it's animated, some of the concepts they get into 
are pretty adult stuff, like kids losing their parents and trying to cope with the grief and dealing with the consequences of actions they took as a result of that grief. And just really, really good. If you if you like good stories, you will probably like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I think. Now, Mark, I don't think you personally would like it, Mark, because it's not in your wheelhouse. But just to the listening, you know, that one person who's still listening to the show at this point, he would probably <laughs> like it. I do enjoy some Japanese-style animation. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, I thought, was great. Um, some of the Totoro stuff I've enjoyed. Uh, and I think that's probably why Netflix said, hey, this is for you. But just that everything you described there sounds not uninteresting to me not boring i don't blame you for being interested in it it's just you know doesn't sound interesting to me yeah so yeah but i really it to me it's really well done and i liked i like the manga and i like the other full metal alchemist series um i i originally found them on adult swim and i was watched a couple episodes and I, went, oh, I wonder if there's a manga of this and i got super into the manga and um anyway and then you know, now I'm getting to watch this series too. So good stuff for me. Cool stuff. And you, you need to uh, get all your binging done because you may actually have a job in the near future. Yes, I go. I have, so I'm the in-person interviews are round three. So I have made it to round three of a job for, uh, you know, getting back into the it field. Yay. Possible job. So nice. So, uh, the Bitcoin mining, It'll still make you a billionaire, but, you know, this is just to fill your time in the meantime, right? You know, I'm seriously considering selling my Bitcoin rig because it's still profitable, um, but it's not as profitable and it's going to continue to go down. And, you know, I could just, I like I say, I don't know. I'm I'm considering selling it. Don't mm-hmm. know. Don't know what I would do yet, but, and I haven't listed it, but like I say, I'm, I'm contemplating closing the mine shaft and barring the door or who knows i might just put that money towards a more efficient miner you need to stick a you know a wind vane on top of your house and and tie it to a generator and 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 then you'll have free-ish energy and then it would be totally profitable well but you know the hundreds of dollars to get that set up (laughs) you know is it just not it it wouldn't work and actually at our house we have very poor wind so i would have to do a combination wind solar project and that's just you need a wind a windmill of some sort just a weather vane will do fine and an alternator and a battery from an old car and a ups so not hundreds maybe maybe 150 and you're good I don't know. I doubt, well, I doubt you uh, can generate enough power for that. Yeah, because this is a thousand watts yeah. almost that it's consuming. So it's like running your microwave all day, every day, without stop. Pretty much. Uh, okay, and uh, now this is the part of the show. If you have still, if you're still with us, and the pop culture stuff uh, didn't drive you away, let's go ahead and get political and see if that can drive you away. My my objective here is to make sure that nobody is at, is uh, still here at the end of the show. Now, uh, um, I wanted to excuse me. I'm still not still not all the way back yet. Sorry, I, I muted that cough because you didn't want to hear it. Um, but we did, we did. <laughs> One of the uh, uh, things that has gone on in, in the very recent past that we have not talked about on the show is the latest uh, high school shooting incident. Uh, a child, an expelled child, so he wasn't actually a student, a former student at the school, uh, got his hands on uh, automatic weaponry 
and went into a school and and shot people. That's my oversimplified explanation of it. Um, and as always happens, immediately people start seeking political answers uh, to this problem when it happens. Um, the gun, the anti-gun people are see you know going crazy. See, if there were no guns in the world, this person wouldn't be homicidal. I'm not really sure that logic flows. But, you know, that's what they're going with. And then the the pro-gun people are like, we we have to take we have to have our guns. We have to keep our guns. Uh, There's never it's never okay to take our guns away from us. And the same argument comes back again and again and again. And it's something that we've addressed on the show before. But I thought it would be interesting to have a discussion. I was hoping Miles would be here because he tends to be more socially uh, liberal than either Seth or I I are. Um, But uh, We'll have this discussion anyway, and I want to. Here's how I want to set it up. I was having lunch today with a dear friend of mine who uh, is a, a U.S. resident, uh, naturalized American citizen from Canada. So he spent most of his life in Canada, uh, and then uh, 15 ish years ago moved to the U.S. and then just in the, the last couple of years became an American citizen. Uh, so like Miles, he is a naturalized citizen from another country, a much more liberal country um overall and it was interesting to hear as he and i had this discussion today not a bait a debate that's what i like about intelligent people is we can have an intelligent discourse without anybody being mad at anybody and he immediately uh put himself into the mindset of what can government do to prevent this from happening in the future and uh and not a being an American, and certainly not being a Texan, as both Seth and I are, uh, he does not understand the reverence we have for the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, and so that was an interesting discussion. Um, and so I want to frame it in that, let's let Seth, you and I, talk to my friend Dave, the, the once Canadian, um, about... Um, this situation and so there were two there was one thing in the conversation that that he brought up uh that i I wanted to get your thoughts on he said as an uh as a canadian he can't understand the concept the uh just the very mindset that we have of reverence for the second amendment like it's this this unalterable immutable thing that cannot be messed with and to, to when he said that, I was like, well, yeah, that's right. It is that thing. It is an unalterable, immutable document that cannot be um, changed because it's one of the founding part of our documents uh, of our country. It's part of the Constitution. It, it, once it's amendment, right, it has become it is woven into the fabric of the Constitution of this country. And the Constitution is the bedrock upon which everything else is built. And apparently, you know, I'm sure that Canada has a constitution, but they don't have the same reverence for it that we do, or at least we conservative type people do. Uh, so with just that setup, Seth, what is your brain thinking right now? Okay, well, the first thing, when I heard about this shooting, the first thing I had to do was go and check on my guns to make sure they didn't go off and perform the shooting. And they were right where I left them. So my guns were not involved in this shooting. And second of all, um, I just love how the media and society, you know, media has trained society to, you know, jump to conclusions and shape the narrative before the facts came out. You know, one of the facts is 
this school had an armed security officer who sat outside during the active shooting and did not do his job. So, you know, I, I don't understand the mindset because when I went to school, it was not uncommon to have a shotgun in the back of my truck while my truck was parked on campus. You know, and I mean, in the school, you know, I'm in high school math class and the coach says, hey, does anybody have a pocket knife? And all of the guys in class pull out their pocket knives. Me, I pull out my huge Swiss Army knife because, you know, that's just what I carried back then. But, you know, and he, he that wasn't to you guys go to the principal's office. It's like he had this like, I don't remember what it was, but this thing he needed cut and he didn't have his knife with him. So he wanted to know if he could borrow one of ours. So it was like, no problem. Here you go, coach. And so, you know, we just have, and there's an entirely different culture where people are just, I, I don't know. You know, there's so many things you ask, what could the government do? Well, how about we call this what it is, this thing that happened evil. And, you know, let's start when something's evil, let's call it evil and quit trying to make everybody who knows how to spell gun into, you know, a right wing fascist out to murder babies. That's, that's not the case. People who don't understand the gun culture, it's, we, it's not that we love guns. We understand that when it all comes down, it's my responsibility to take care of me. It is not the government's responsibility to take care of me. If somebody is breaking into my house, I can't say, hey, could y'all wait 20 minutes while the sheriff's deputy can make it over to this side of the county and then he can protect me? No, it's like, it's like, hey, I hope you got more ammo than I do, buddy. Um, you know, and, and here's a warning shot that, you know, if I hit you, then I'll fire another one later or something. And that's just a little, you know, hyperbole, but. I understand that it's my responsibility to protect myself and the parts of this country that have the strictest gun laws are also the parts with the most gun violence. So I am, you know, you can't, if you make guns illegal, then you're going to create a lot of felons because only, you know, the good guys want to protect ourselves. And that's, that's what the gun is. It's the ability to at least defend myself because it's not that there aren't enough police officers and quit trying to make the police officers guilty of everything wrong. You know, there's just, there's so much here and it's just all, it's all jumbled up right here and it's created a log jam at my mouth and I really can't talk. So there's just so there's not one factor, you know, the sarcastic person of me says, you know, we just need more of the gun free zone signs because I bet what happened is he just went into a doorway that didn't have that sign posted. So if we just had one more sign, we could have saved the, it's for the children, people. Surely that's worth taxes. And I, I just I, I so I mean, you know, and this is one of those things we have our facts that support the the necessity of private gun ownerships and the other side has their facts that support the necessity of you know flower pots for everyone kind of thing and neither side 
wants to admit the other side's facts exist, we just call them idiots and dismiss their arguments. So, so much of what you said there was um, tongue firmly planted in cheek. But I find it interesting yes. that you you used you fell into the same arguments that we had at lunch. So, and, and arguments not the right word. Discussion. There were three of us. There was uh, my friend who's a red blooded uh, Georgia redneck. Um, his current iPhone wallpaper is his 15 year old daughter holding an AR 15. Um, and then there was me there. And then it was my Canadian friend, my Canadian American friend. Um, and everything you just said, Seth, almost word for word, it's almost like there's this cultural script. Guns don't kill people. People care, uh, kill people. I had guns in high school. It's not the government's responsibility. There's a gun culture in the U.S. Those are all words I was writing them down, as you said. Uh, those are all words that you said and my other friend said and that you'll hear on the news. It's, it's, the, it's the immediate defense uh, anytime something like this happens. And I find it fascinating because it has nothing to do with the school shooting at all. Um, let me, I, and I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. Let me read to you the entire text of the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. Bear with me. This is long. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Whew, glad I got through that. It is a sentence. And it says, the right of the people to keep and bear. That means I can own them and I can carry them. Arms. Arms of all kinds. Not firearms, not wep not guns, but weapons shall not be infringed. So when we start talking about regulation, by definition, that is infringement. If at any point you make it difficult for anybody to own any type of weapon, that is infringement. If at any point you make it illegal for any citizen to control, to, to own or keep or carry any type of weapon, that is infringement. The, the Second Amendment has already been stomped on millions of times and with, with widespread agreement. We all agree that uh, an American citizen should not own a nuclear explosive device. That could be protected under the, the Second Amendment. The right of the American citizens to keep and bear arms. There is no, no, no type of arms mentioned. There is no degree of armament. You know, in the U.S., you can own a certain number of, of certain type of guns. That is infringement, my friends. By definition, all of our gun laws infringe on the Second Amendment. So when I brought that up, my Canadian friend was like, well, what is with the sanctity of the Second Amendment? Now, that's a question we can talk about. Let's not talk about a gun culture. Let's not talk about uh, hunters. Let's not talk about defending yourself. Again, Seth, you, you talked about that, defending yourself. None of that is mentioned in the Second Amendment. None of that is mentioned in the Constitution. It simply says, because we need a militia. Think about why these people wanted a militia. They had just overthrown their leader, and they wanted to be able to do it again. All right? And let's say even that doesn't count anymore. None of that matters, because what the Constitution of the United States says is that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's it. There's no gray area. The foundational document of our country the law on the, the word on which every law is built, the standard to which every legislation is upheld, says that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So when I say I hold these, these words to be sacred, it's because they're the foundation of this country that I love. 
And when I say we don't need more laws and more infringement of rights that are already there, it's because the doctrine, the, the document is so very clear. We've muddied it with so many other things over the years, but the document itself is very clear. You want to take guns away, change that sentence. That's a legal, that's a thing you can do. That's a process you can go by. It's easy, actually. All you have to do is vote on it. We have repealed amendments in the past. It's a thing that our country knows how to do. You want to take guns away. You want to legislate guns. You want to make uh, certain rules about guns. Make that sentence go away. Problem solved. But for some reason, all that never comes up. That's not a thing. That, that's not a hill that people want to die on. That's not a thing that politicians want to invest their careers in. I, I don't even want to go into why that is. But if you want people to not carry guns, change that sentence. And that's why I get incensed about any infringement of my rights. Not because I'm a gun nut. I don't own a gun. I have never owned a gun. I have had family that owned guns. I have been, I grew up around guns. I have fired many, many weapons. I don't own a gun, but I do own knives. I do own other weapons. I own baseball bats. <laughs> I keep and bear arms on a regular basis. Seth, I carry a, a Swiss army knife with me every day of my life. That is an armament that I keep and I bear. And I hold this document sacred because it is the, 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 the foundation upon which everything that I love about this country is built. So I need that sentence to either be eliminated or upheld. Those are the only two options. Eliminate it or uphold it. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I just, you know, and he, the thing is, it's not, it's not necessarily today's government or today's society that I'm afraid of, but I see the direction the society is taking and it's tomorrow's society that I am afraid of. And if I don't have the ability to defend myself, who is going to defend me? You know, am I just going to say, Hey, please stop. You have to stop because that's where my property begins. Uh, and you don't have the right to my property, you know, unless you're an undocumented illegal alien, then apparently you have the right to everything I've ever done. But you know, it's just like, who is, who is your protector? Who is your defense? Who is your source? Is your source the government? Well, if the government is your source, then you better get rid of your ability to take care of yourself because you're going to come in opposition to the government. Are you your source? By the strength of your hands, you're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and you're educating yourself and you're going you're gonna to set the world on fire. Okay, then you better do all you can to make sure you're strong and secure. You know, I'm a Christian. I believe that God is my source and he is my ultimate defense. So, but at the same time, you know, Hey, I'm also going to protect myself. Um, so who is your source is if the, there's a larger portion of society every day, it seems like who is happy with the government being their source, who has given up their ability 
to function on their own and worships whatever media and the government tells them they ought to worship. And those are the nut jobs that I want to be able to protect myself from. And, and, you know, and I understand that in today's society and language, you don't use that kind of rhetoric. But whenever it all boils down to and you strip away the political niceties, that's what each side is saying about the other. You know, government protect me from those wacko right wing nut jobs, or it's like Smith and Wesson protect me from those left wing wacko nut jobs. Um, and that's what it comes down to two sides. And I don't remember who said the quote, but if you take away, if you, if you stomp on our right to argue and disagree, then all we have left to do is fight. So I'm all for arguments and disagreements and debates. And what's fascinating is, is Seth, as much as I respect you as an intellect, you were unable to meet me on the grounds of speaking just specifically about the law and about the Constitution. Is it? This is such an emotionally charged issue that these conversations about the cold definitions of the law can't be held. But then you've been thinking about this all day. I first saw <laughs> your point. topic, you know, thirty minutes ago. So, <laughs> but if you want to talk about how we stop school shootings. That's a that has nothing to do with guns. That has to do with the fact that a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 12-year-old would ever consider murdering anyone. Right? We we need to talk about um uh sanctity of human life. We need to talk about uh how we change the heart of a nation. That has nothing to do with guns. And if you want to you want to pass a law that will stop school shootings, then make it a constitutional mandate that fathers parent their children. How about that? You want to change a society? That's how you do that. How about making it a, 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 a government mandate that um, every child is taught to respect all those around them, whether they're equal to them or uh, inferior to them or superior to them or older and younger? How about we teach that, make that the law of the land? Then we change that. The fact that we have so little regard for human life that we would take it in any way with whatever tool happens to be at our disposal, that is the problem. And if you want to fix that with yep. laws, then let's pass the right laws. Let's pass the laws that uh, change the heart of a nation, not disarm a nation. Because armaments you know, can be anything. The gun was just a handy way for this child, child, not a man, for this child to murder when we have a society where children murder, weapons, the, the, the tool to which he chooses to murder is not the problem. And we need to stop looking at the, the, the symptom instead of the disease. Totally agree. And parents, uh, sneak into your room whenever your kids are playing Call of Duty 2. And the language that you hear issue forth from their mouth and the speakers with the other kids... I mean, you would just, it's, it's in, it's truly inconceivable. The, the language that you hear in those things and you don't know it because the kids up in his room or her room these days, you know, playing call of duty, you know, you're, you're working overtime or you're watching Netflix and chill or whatever. And so spend some time together, you know, you 
this is, you know, I'm, I grew up in a teacher college. That's where I got my education. Mark, you did too. We spent a lot of time in education. How do you get an entire school mad at you? Have the audacity to suggest that it's the parents' responsibility to educate your children and not the government. And, you know, that, and then look at where a generation of that mindset is getting us to. It hurts my heart to know. I want to take it out of the school. I want to take it out of the fact that it was a child doing it. The fact that man would kill man is a problem. And and that's the problem we need to address. We and, and when I bring that up among intellectual people, they say things like, well, you can't change that behavior. You can't legislate that behavior. You can't make a law that changes the heart of man. Bingo. And that's all I've been saying all along. You can't make a law that changes the heart of man. Government can't fix this problem. Government didn't create this problem, and it can't fix it. And to look at government and to, and to, to with a, a heavy heart and um, a, a, a um, titillated mind, spend all your intellect and all your energy on trying to figure out how the government, with, by passing a law, could have prevented a child from murdering children, is so misguided. Well-intentioned, but misguided. And that's where this discussion is going to go. Right. And and we're going to people are going to use a tragedy to to bolster whatever the the people who are pro gun are going to say, we need more guns. We need to give the teachers guns. We need to give the students guns. More guns is the answer. And the anti gun people are going to say, we need no guns ever, because once you take all the guns away, the murderous intent is gone. And they're both wrong and they're both being disingenuous. They all know that the problem is a heart problem, but we can't address heart problems by passing laws. And so they they change the conversation. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. Got, uh, that's why I was kind of hoping we'd have somebody who could disagree with me on that. But how do you disagree with that? I, I, I challenge you, the listener, disagree with me. Explain to me how um, a law changes the heart of a, of a child. Because if this child was going to murder, he could have done it with a car. He could have done it with knives. He could have done it with rocks. He could have, he had decided to murder. The instrument of the murder is irrelevant. Let's talk about what makes a child decide to murder. And stop messing with my constitution or change it. I, let's hold a constitutional convention. And let's change the, con- the Constitution. It's 200 plus years old. It's outdated. Uh, it doesn't hold up anymore. Fine. Let's change it. But as long as it is the law of the land, stop stomping on it. So those are my two sentiments here. Yeah, no, I, I, I... My heart is just sad for the direction the country's been taking. and It's not the country. It's the globe. Well, yeah, but I'm more familiar with the country than the rest of the world. The, there's a, a great quote, often misattributed. There's no evidence that she actually said it uh, to Mother Teresa that says, if you want to change the world, then go home and love your children. Um, that's how you fix this. You go home and love your children. If that boy had had more love and the right kind of love, he wouldn't have murder in his heart. 
that he what's you know you can talk about his mental uh mentally ill diagnosis or whatever that doesn't matter <laughs> that doesn't matter the problem was not with his mind it was with his soul yep but i don't i don't know it's you just There's yeah, I mean we're we're having the wrong conversation, and I get pulled into the wrong conversation, and I don't think about what gets me to the point to where I can, and then when you try to have the right conversation, you're drowned out because nobody cares about that. They just it this this is being exploited for political gain, just like any human tragedy since the dawn of time. It's just now we have we have Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and everything else so that it just spreads faster. And it's permanent now because those videos are out there and people will always find them. It's, it's impossible to scrub something off the net. Far too redundant. What happens if we stop making murderers famous? Let's think about that. I don't want to cheapen this discussion by saying Seth what happened this week in history or having some random thing I just want to wrap this up um, because this this discussion is too heavy to cheapen with with the shtick that we do at the end of the show so Seth I'm going to say do you have any other final comments on this topic I mean not unless we want to change this into a Christian podcast and go another hour <laughs> so yeah. um. maybe I would love to have that conversation with you um, yeah yeah, because definitely the, the when we talk about changing a broken soul, I only know one way that can happen, and that's through Jesus Christ. Me too. And unfortunately, that's that'll draw the ire of just about everybody these days, including a lot of people who claim to be Christians, which is just sad. So if you, the listener, are interested in hearing me talk about my answer to the broken soul problem, uh, I'm happy to 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 have that discussion with you uh, in person, via email, uh, whatever. Uh, go to elementopi.com, use the contact button, and uh, and fill it out there, or email me mark at elementopi.com, and and I'll have that discussion with you because right or wrong, I believe in my heart that I have the answer, and I'm not interested in debating it. I'm not interested in you telling me that I don't have the answer. If you don't think I have the answer, okay, that's fine. But the world is broken, and it needs to be fixed. And I know the great fixer, and I'm happy to have that discussion with you about it. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.